Good morning, church. So thankful that you're here. I got some guests in the audience. I'm thankful that you are here. Brethren, I'm thankful that you are here. God is good, isn't he? And worthy to be praised. Appreciate you, Eric, the, the scripture and the thoughts before the Lord's Supper. Derek, I appreciate uh, your lesson uh, your, in song. And Terry, I appreciate your prayer. It all ties perfectly in with my lesson this morning. My prayer for this lesson has been that we will do exactly as Terry said. Look into our hearts and allow the Lord to see us and who we are and what we're focused on and what we're striving to do to bring glory to his name. I do want to say this before uh, I start, though, uh, in talking about winter camp. Have you seen the bulletin? It was great. The, the children that were there, the blessing that they were to me, the encouragement that they brought me personally, and there's so many stories uh, of the way that our kids acted and handled themselves in respect. Uh, people bragged on them. I know Derek can attest to this too. Just the comments that came from the way that our crew handled themselves uh, at camp was amazing. Uh, not only that, but it wasn't just a physical time at camp. It was a very spiritual time for the kids, and I know for me personally as well. And I appreciate the adults who took the time to be a part of it. And everybody in here should be encouraged to know that Fountainhead represented Jesus. I want to read verses 8 through 11 as we begin our thoughts. Paul says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9 he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I was going to pile all of this into one lesson, but there is way too much stuff to get it all in. So welcome to a two to three part series. How about that? Within the series. But as we read verse 8, as we think about verse 9, as we think about the context, this is a very personal thought that comes from Paul. What we see is Paul's love for the Savior. A heart that said, I looked at everything that I had. I considered all the stuff that I had gained, all the accolades, all of the things that the world and, and the people around me would consider mighty. And they in no way could compare 
to what I have in Christ. Verse 7, really the thrust of his thought, he says that those things in my life that I had counted as gain, I've counted as loss for Christ. I want you to think about your life, the things that you have going on, the situations that are in front of you. Because, see, if you start looking at somebody else and you start considering other people's ways and the things that they're doing, you won't get the blessing that Paul's talking about right here. Because I in no way am like a Pharisee. I am not a Hebrew. I am not from the tribe of Benjamin. I have different things that are in my life. There are different goals that I've strived to do as well as you. All of us, though, can make application for our life if we look into our hearts. All of this thought, all of this consideration comes from a challenge that Jesus makes for his disciples. This thought that Paul brings up as he's thinking in his mind, and it comes from Matthew chapter 16. It's also in several other scriptures uh, in the gospels, but Matthew 16 verses 24 and 26. Consider this as we begin. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? Jesus in these verses is talking about an exchange. He's talking about losing something and gaining something. In order to gain eternal life, Jesus says, you will have to give up your way. Matt, you talk about that just about every week. Yes, I do. And I'm so glad I do. Because I need a reminder every week. How about you? I need to be reminded I need to be reminded who I serve, why I serve him. See, Jesus puts this decision on his followers, though. See, he puts it in your hands. Here's the exchange. Will you give up what you think is precious for what God thinks is precious? There's the challenge. It's in your hands. The ball is in your court. A powerful question as we begin. What will a man give in exchange for your soul? In Matthew class, we talked about this Wednesday night. It's just amazing how God works. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says, And the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in this field, right? And this man found, which a man found and hid, and and for joy over it, he goes, and here's what he does. The kingdom of heaven, being a part of God's body, was so important to him. You know what he did? He went and sold everything so that he could buy this field. All that he had. What are we willing to give up for Christ? What an elementary lesson, but how deep 
and how powerful it cuts. What are we willing to give up for Christ? See, when we're ready to let all these other distractions clear the air and our minds become focused on what God has in store for us, then we begin to see just exactly what the Lord has in store for us. But brethren, it will not happen until then. You're missing it. Don't let Satan cloud your view. Watch Paul. He answers in the text this morning the question that Jesus asked. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You want to know what Paul said? This is a human now. Paul says, I'll give everything. Everything. Whatever was gained to me. I'll count it all as loss for Jesus. The name above all names. Sometimes I think in our lives, and I do it, and, and we all probably do it as well. We think, and we talked about this in class. Uh, I think Jennifer made the statement. We all think about hell, but it's really not a reality. See, hell, I mean, it is a thing, and yeah, we're going to go there, but in my mind, it's just really not something that I can really think about, Matt, that, that really bothers me. Just the same as heaven. I mean, Matt, you know, heaven is good, and, and we talked about this. It's like, I mean, I like Gatlinburg, and I like going to the beach, and those places are beautiful, but in my mind, you know, heaven is maybe just a little better than that, but it's, it's not, uh, in my mind, I can't clearly see it the way that I need to see it. Here's the reality. One day, it's going to come to the point where you stand before the Lord, and he's either going to say, well done, or he's going to say, I don't know you. Paul got it. How did he get it? How did he understand it? How did he make this thought continually flow through him? Well, there's several things, and today we're going to focus on this knowledge of Christ. I appreciate Eric, man. He hit right on the thought. Here's the message as we begin. If we're counting on anything other than Christ to save us, we have deceived ourselves. Your money, God ain't impressed with it. Your job title, God ain't impressed with it. Our spouses can't get us to where we need to be. Our parents can't get us to where we need to be. Our kids can't get us to where we need to be. Our money, our popularity, who we know, who we kin to, it ain't going to get us where we need to be. But you know who will? Glory. Hallelujah. To the name of Jesus. There's only one thing that can save us, brethren. So what are you saying, Matt? 
I don't need to pursue my career. I, I don't need to strive to be the best in my field or, 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 or do these things to, to make myself successful in the world. Here's the reality, and this is real talk. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what does Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But what do we do? We justify it and say, well, I got to have a career. I got to do these things. And we mistakenly and not meaning to put it above serving God. It's the other way. You don't think God wants you to take care of your family? You don't think that God wants you to nourish and cherish your wife and take care of your children? You don't think that God wants to do that? Here's the question that you need to ask yourself when I go to work. Is it to glorify God or is it to get my promotion? When I go to school, is it to glorify God or to get them best grades? See, Jesus says, I, I want you to be the best. And I want you to use your abilities for my glory. And I want you to serve the way that you're supposed to serve. But the main purpose for doing those things is not for self-gain. It's for showing others who you serve. I know when I strive to be like Christ, I put forth my best effort and people are attracted to that, aren't they? See, if I'm, I'm going to be like Jesus, what do I have to do? I have to do everything to the best of my ability, right? See, it steps it up automatically. So when I take a test and I have it next week or I have it in two weeks and I already know about it, what am I doing? I'm already preparing for it. When I have to go to work, what do I do? I make sure I go to bed on time. So when I go to work, I'm the best at my ability because I'm not tired and wore out because I stayed up all night and just treated it like it was nothing. See, if I love Jesus and I put him first, everything that I do becomes incredible. Why do we justify it the other way and put everything before him? He put everything to the side for you. He left heaven. I love you, brethren. I don't know if I could leave that place, man. Whoo. Heaven. He left for you. If we had to be honest, does the day-to-day -day hustle get in our way from seeing who Jesus really is? Have we become so busy with our schedules and we're so schedule-oriented that the things of the world become more and Jesus becomes less? See, Paul's spiritual growth came when he cleared his eyes. In Acts chapter 9, we hear of a man named Saul who was headed to Damascus. And he was headed to Damascus to arrest, to kill, to persecute, whatever needed to be done, a Christian. And he was blinded on a road by Jesus. 
he understood at that moment that all the things that he had done, all the things that he had done against the Lord, Jesus was willing to forgive. See, he began to really listen. He began to really understand who Jesus was and why he did what he did for him. And then everything else in his life became rubbish. Have you ever been like in awe of something? What about when the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the moon, the sun and the moon, what happened? The eclipse. Wasn't y'all all excited for the eclipse, man? You had them shades, you was ready. You saw that thing, and what happened when you saw it? You stood up, oh, man. Wow. That's awesome. It's like night here, but it's day on the outside, right? He was in awe of it. It was an amazing feat. Have we become so numb to the truth? Has, has Satan filled our minds with other things that we have become blinded to the understanding that Jesus is something to be admired, to be in awe of? The first thing to consider, and it's only one point today, y'all, is the excellent knowledge of Christ. Paul says seeking the knowledge of Christ should be the drive in our life. See, it's not our wisdom. See, it's not our accomplishments. It's not who we can to. We are told in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, that whatever we do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. Why do we do that? Here's knowledge. Because we know that from the Lord we're going to receive our reward. And we serve the Lord. See, we serve him and we know who is going to tell us what we need to know. So every decision we make must be a decision that shows that we have the knowledge of Christ. See, Jesus said it like this. I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And you know what in return happens? My sheep know me. Do we know him? Do we know what he wants for us? Do we truly believe that Christ is better than anything? Do we really believe 1 John 5, 20? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Do we really believe that? This word knowledge that Paul uses, it's an awesome word and it's uh, worth some study if you have time. It's gnosis and there's a lot of ways that you can use it. It means to learn to know or to come to know. Paul says, indeed, verse 8, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, the gnosis of Christ. In the Greek-Roman world, this word was used for someone coming into communion with deity. 
Talking about like a priest at a temple, this priest or whoever was going to be able to come in contact and do some type of ritual. They would actually be able to ascend into the divine and they would learn things. There's also a Hebrew connection with this word. And in Amos chapter 3, it says it like this. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. This concept of this knowledge of this all, this divine and mystical thought, and also this concept of knowing, I know who you are. I have a bond with you. God knew Israel and the bond that he had with him in the Old Testament. So this word in the Gentile world shows us this deep mystical relationship with Christ. And this Hebrew word means this bond with someone, knowing them, having a love for them. So when Paul says that he would give up everything for the excellent knowledge of Christ, he says, this knowledge that I have of Jesus is this kind of knowledge. It's a knowledge of love that is close. It's a love that is supernatural. See, it's a love that is mystical. It's beyond comprehension. This love comes from heaven. So Paul's thought is this. Nothing can compare to the relationship that I have with Christ. Nothing. Is that us? Does it really even matter? You want to know when our life changes? You want to know when we become real soldiers for the king? When nothing matters but serving Christ. Come on, Matt. Yeah, it's true. Everything I say in word or deed is going to be done for the glory of God. Everything that I touch, everything that I am around, it's all going to be for his glory and for his honor. The more we know him, the more it changes the way we view darkness. The more we know him, the more it changes the way we deal with valleys. The more we know him the more it changes the way we view those mountaintops. It changes the way we look at life, and it's because of Jesus Christ. When we understand just how much Christ cares for us, it's a game changer. Look at what Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded. Paul said, You got me, Lord. Because I know that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing is going to be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the reality. I love it when somebody says that they love me. How about you? I love it. I love it when Aaron tells me she loves me. I love it when Isaac and Libby tell me that they love me. Jesus took all the mess away 
for you. Why isn't that enough to drive you? Real talk. Why do we talk the way we talk? Why do we backbite? Why do we whisper? Why do we say we're going to do something and we don't do it? Why do we not put God first? Why? Paul, in prison, has nothing. He's given up everything that he had. All the Pharisees hate him. All the Jews can't stand him. He has nowhere to go, and he's sitting in a prison, and he says that aha moment. You know that moment you have when the light bulb goes off and you realize you need to do something about your life and you need to obey the gospel? I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remembered, wait a minute, I'm not saved and I need to be saved. I remember when that light bulb went off. Paul, when he came in contact with Jesus Christ, he realized something. The light bulb went off. None of this matters all the money that we got, all the accolades that we, I, I wanted to be in the NBA so bad, y'all. I wanted all them awards. I wanted everybody to call my name out. I wanted everybody to talk about me. But all of those things are for nothing if I ain't got Jesus, man. They're for nothing. See, Paul shows us the key to being a Christian that's on fire for the Lord. It's one who's intertwined with Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says this, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. I'm out. But it's Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I don't live for myself anymore. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I don't know where I end and where he begins. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't even know. Like we're so intertwined and connected. I don't know where I end and he starts. We're together, man. You remember Jesus prayed for it in John 17? Before he gets ready to go to the cross, he says, I pray, Lord, Father, that they'll be one as we are one. That happens when I allow the knowledge of Christ to affect me. When I take serious my study for the word of God and I really know the character of Christ, when I really know how he handled situations, how he really did things in tough situations. See, then I realize not only is he trying to guide me, but what I realize is just how deep his love for me is. I want us to turn in our Bibles as we close, and I'm not going to expound on it, but I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And if you do something for me, I just want you to consider your life, and I want you to think about what Paul says. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. 
I know a lot of us here have been Christians for a long time, and I know that there's tough situations that have happened in our lives, and I know that sometimes we lose heart, but Paul says we do not lose heart. Why? Because we should remember that we've received mercy from an almighty God. He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Have we done that, brethren? Not walking in the craftiness, in craftiness. Have we done that, brethren? Or handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, is this us? Are we commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God? Or is our next business deal the biggest thing? Is the next business deal the biggest thing? You want to know what God can do for you? All things. You don't think he wants you to have that job? You don't think he wants you to succeed in life? When we put Christ first and we say, Lord, I thank you for allowing me to wake up this morning and I am commending myself to somebody's conscience. I want them to know when they talk to me who I serve and why I serve him. But even if our gospel is veiled, verse 3, it is veiled to those who are perishing, verse 4, whose mind the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6 says this, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And here's the application, and the lesson will be yours. Verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Have you ever been hard-pressed? Have you ever had a tough situation and it just keeps closing in? Paul says that we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. See, we're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Why, Paul? Why is that happening? Brethren, here's the point. Because we should always be carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that in the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Why you do what you do? Because I serve a king who died for me and resurrected me. And it's worth telling you about. It's worth showing you why I do what I do. We talked about this in the class downstairs. Jesus goes through Samaria, goes through this village, and he sent some guys out in front of him to go tell that he's coming and the the ones in the city said, man, we don't want to hear about that dude, man. Just tell him to roll on. Just tell him to go on through. John and James got mad about it, and they said, Lord, what, you want us to go ahead and call down fire and just eliminate this city? I love Jesus so much. Most people counted me out. How about you? 
Most people said, oh, he had a chance, man. He's a great ball player, but look what he tossed away. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> but you know what Jesus said? I didn't come to destroy man. I came to save him. If you're here today and you're a child of God, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is worthy to be praised. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and things aren't going like they need to go. We can pray with you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys so very much. I hope that you know when I speak, I, I, I'm not trying to speak out of anger. I'm trying to speak out of compassion and love in my heart because this is so real. This isn't no fake God. This is the almighty God who, com who commanded light to shine out of darkness. This is his world. And these are his commands, and he wants you to be a part of his family. Maybe you're here today and you are not in Christ. Today is the day. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to his family where all spiritual blessings are. Washed white as snow and able to have your sins forgiven and be re restored back to a right relationship every time. Man, what a blessing. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to be saved, if you need prayers, you can come as we sing, stand and sing. But I do want to say this. Go be a light to the world, will you? This world is struggling. This world is dying. This world is continuing to go south. But you know what will stop that? J-E-S-U-S. -S. You know him, go tell somebody about him as we stand and sing.